real life and spiritual conversation, spiritual truths becoming intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think is the way, one of the ways that we can do that, the ministry that we were talking about at yeah. the beginning, that we can, that we can serve yes. um, in a way that we don't abandon faith language and talk just for baking mm-hmm. cookies, but mm-hmm. we also don't abandon the loving practical side yes. and only focus on the words that we use. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Koinonia podcast with another episode. Today, Pastor Nathan and I get into Ephesians chapter 4 and our conversation today is centered around what it looks like for the church to be equipped to do the work of ministry or service. This comes from Ephesians 4 verse 11, talking about the fivefold ministry gifts and what those are, how they work, and what's the purpose. And so, we get into that really great conversation. And let me just read Ephesians 4, verse 12 for you before we start our conversation, because I think it's going to help you see what God's purpose is for equipping his church with these gifts. He says, the purpose of the fivefold ministry gifts is, verse 12, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Wow, there's a lot in there. And our conversation today is centered around what does it look like for us as people in the Church of Christ to be equipped for ministry? How do we balance serving people with loving actions and actually talking about our faith in a way that's genuine and real? So, Hopefully today's conversation is helpful. We want to equip you for your everyday life as you live as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian in your world. So let's get right into our conversation today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Koinonia podcast. Hello. I'm here with Pastor Nathan. Welcome to the day. Yeah. Um, I love that we get to sit and have these conversations. It's awesome. I, I enjoy them too. Yeah, and yeah. and from what I've heard, they're helping people. Uh, yeah, that's which is good. the point. That's good. <laughs> We're not just doing this for fun. Yeah, even though it is fun. Yes, it which is. is a bonus. Yeah. Today we want to take some time to talk about Ephesians four. Mm-hmm. Um, we are working through the book of Ephesians on Sundays with our church community, and uh, we're studying it pretty uh, pretty in depth. Mm-hmm. It's a long series, but it's been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and today we want to talk about the uh the the fivefold ministry gifts is mm-hmm. the kind of term yeah the typical way people refer to it yeah, yeah in Ephesians 4 Paul kind of outlines and mm-hmm. i i guess what we want to talk about is how do these things fit into our everyday lives right and what is it what what does it look like when these five roles are operating and how does that change the way that we function kind of as a church community mm-hmm. um so i think why don't we just outline them okay maybe first sure um and then we can then we can jump into do you have them in front of you yeah ephesians, okay. ephesians four eleven. yeah 
You want me to read it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. It says, so Christ gave, himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Hmm. Miss a lot in those last yeah, yeah. twelve and thirteen. Yep. So, so we have the Christ gave mm-hmm. the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, sh- maybe we could just highlight a quick thumbnail for what each one of those means, because when I think about the word apostle, I don't think I could define it <laughs> in a helpful <laughs> right, way. Right, right. Um, could we do that first, and then? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, in the New Testament, of course, you have the disciples that Jesus calls. Mm-hmm. And then there's this moment um, when there's this like transition that happens in their ministry mm-hmm. as disciples. And Jesus sends them out. Right. And then they be- begin to be called apostles because mm. the word apostle in Greek um, has at its root the idea of being sent Ah, right. So these the sent the, ones, yeah, these disciples were sent out, and so at that moment, um, you see the the switch from just being referred to as disciples to being referred to as apostles, and then you see that in the Book of Acts and so on. Hmm. So, um, you know, those twelve were the original apostles that got sent to build the kingdom of God, right? And to uh, yeah, establish that kingdom in the earth. And so, yeah, the apostles are about building and uh, establishing the kingdom of God. And they think about the big picture. Okay, yeah. The big picture of what that looks like. And right, how of that the kingdom. Works, the kingdom of yeah. God, yeah. And what Jesus has called um, the church to do in the earth. Hmm. You know, that kind of idea. And then you've got the prophets. and. Yes. Um, yeah, so prophets showed up a lot in the Old Testament. When they did. We th- when we think about prophets, we yeah. we think about uh, you know Elijah and Elisha and sure. Jonah and these guys that would. Um, did Moses fall into that yeah, category? Yeah, Moses was a prophet. Yeah, the idea of speaking on behalf of God. Right, like the mouthpiece is the. Yes, yeah. yes, and in the Old Testament, um, in particular, people would go to the prophet. To right. find out what the will of God was. Yes, right. They would travel. Well, there's that story where Saul loses his donkey, yes, right? And they're yes. like, let's go. Let's go find the prophet. He'll yeah. know where it is. Yeah. yeah, it's like the Old Testament version of the Apple Watch when you lose your phone. <laughs> and you can ping it. Yeah, yeah, there we go. That's a funny picture. <laughs> yeah, so, so in the Old Testament, people went to the prophets to right. find out what God's will was. And they spoke like the mouthpiece of God. Right. Um, in the New Testament... There's a, a different uh, way in which the prophets function because we have a um, we have the Holy Spirit living right. inside of us. We we are able to talk with God, and He can talk with us in a much more direct kind of way. And so we're not we don't rely on prophets to tell us what God's will is. Right. We, we have. Yeah, we can hear that. We can hear that the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. We yeah. we have the Word of God as well. Yeah. Um, that we can go to and we can find out what God is saying. Um, one of the things that the the prophets do is they have um, 
like vision, their seers. Mm. You know, often in yeah. the Old Testament you have this description of them being seers. Right. It's because they, they see what God is doing. and Yeah, not in a spooky cauldron no, pot way. But no, in like no, a crystal ball or anything yeah, like that. No, yeah. no, having spiritual insight and vision yeah. and calling people back to righteousness, back mm. to God's ways, back to the foundations of the faith, right? that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, and then you have the evangelists. Yeah. And the evangelists um, proclaim the good news. Right. Um, and they they have a calling from... All of us are called yeah. to preach the good news. And we'll get into this yes, piece will. of the conversation. But um, for now, that's enough to say about that. But yeah, the evangelists have a, a, a unique calling to equip the saints in that area. Right. And, is it, this might be a bit nerdy, but is that the, a similar word to... Good news. Yes. In in Greek, is yes. it is like. Yes, it is. It comes from it comes from that root as well, and so it's the idea of proclaiming good news. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. So the proclaiming the gospel. Gospel is good news. Yeah. An evangelist is one who proclaims the good news. Right. The gospel, and um, so yeah, they they help keep the church outward focused mm-hmm. rather than just getting all all you know like a club. Yeah. You know. Yes. Navel gazing. Yeah. Focused. Navel gazing. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny picture, isn't it? It's funny. Yeah. That's not, not a phrase that I use. But no, I like it. no, and, and and certainly not something we want to be doing as Christians. Yes. So yeah, yeah the evangelists help help equip the saints to proclaim the good news and yeah. they 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 have a calling in that area and a special effectiveness often in that area mm, yeah as well yeah then pastors i feel like pastors people have a like out of the five mm. i feel like this is the one that people would maybe be like oh yeah i know what that is. yes yes and in some translations you'll actually see instead of the word pastor you'll see shepherd Oh, interesting. Because, Why is that? Uh, well, that's what they are. They, <laughs> right. That's what a pastor is. They're a shepherd. Um, you Sometimes you hear him be called an under-shepherd because mm. Jesus is the shepherd. Yes. He is the chief shepherd yeah. the Bible talks about, the good shepherd he referred to himself as. Mm-hmm. So the church is God's flock, right? In in scriptures, yeah. it often get, we get referred to as yeah, sheep. Yeah, we see that and, imagery quite Yeah, there. yeah, exactly. And so shepherds function under the good shepherd mm-hmm. and have the responsibility for shepherding the flock, mm-hmm. shepherding God's people. And so uh, things like um, providing food, right? Mm-hmm. What does a shepherd do, right? Yeah. They guide. Yeah. They they nourish. Mm-hmm. They protect. Yeah. You know, so some those are some of the key roles of a shepherd. Yeah. And of a pastor mm-hmm. of a local church, right? So mm-hmm. God places a shepherd in a local church to function in that role for the benefit of those, the people that are a part of that local church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And then and teachers. teachers. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that maybe is even more plain. Sure. Uh, the idea of instruction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Instruction in the truth, instruction in God's ways. And... Um, they really help to keep the church focused on accurate doctrine or teaching and theology, mm-hmm. and they keep bringing uh, the plum- people back to the plumb line of God's word. And you know, what does the Bible say? What does God's word say about that? Mm-hmm. What does God say about that? The culture says this. What does God's word say? Right. Um, so 
Yeah, the, they uphold the truth right. would be a, a good way of talking about it. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like one of these stands out to you as one that you would operate in most often? Um, most often in the teaching role, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's where I, I feel God, uh, see God using me the most, working through me the most. Yeah, cool. From my perspective, anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, m- mine too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so, okay, so those are kind of the five. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think verse 12 is the, the most helpful one for me because mm. it helps us see what is the purpose of yes. all of these five things. Because we've kind of outlined, you know, what an apostle or an evangelist or whatever would, what would make them that, like how yes. would they operate yes. to make them a, an apostle evangelist. But the purpose is to equip his people for works of service mm-hmm. so the body of Christ may be built up. Yes. And that is a relief. <laughs> Why do you say that, Nick? <laughs> well, it, because as, as um, a kid who grew up in church, I've been hearing about these five-fold ministry mm. um, gifts for my whole life. But it's helpful to recognize that Christ gave these roles to the church so that the church could be built up to do ministry. Right. And it's easy for me growing up seeing my, my dad as a pastor as a little kid. My dad in the small church that we were, were at did all the ministry mm. as the pastor. Mm. And so it's been cool to see as he, I mean, as our family came to Koinonia yeah. And seeing what it looked like for teams to work together to do ministry, mm-hmm. um, and for the the pastors and the the teachers and the apostles, and were actively equipping teams to care for people, right. to teach people, to serve people, mm-hmm. and so like you couldn't, you can't lead a thousand people with one guy. Like it just mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you can't one one guy can't care for that. Or, or, you know, teach that whole group or whatever. Mm-hmm. But so, so the relief comes when I recognize, okay, if, if, cause pastor is probably the one that I feel I would operate in the most. Mm-hmm. And so out of these five anyway. Yes. And, um, and so to recognize that as a pastor, Christ has called me to equip those that are around me mm-hmm. to do ministry. Right. And, Rather than do it all yourself. Yes. 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 Um, so anyways, that's kind of where, where that came from. But yes. I think that's so important for us to remember. Yes. As we operate as the church. Yeah. And, um, you know, in the past, um, the kind of general idea has been, well, the, the pastor needs to do, you know, that's his job to yeah. care for people and to uh, do all that. And yes... That's what he does. Yeah. But actually, a pastor in, in Ephesians 4 is is not supposed to be doing it all. They make sure it gets done. Yes. Their job is to make sure it ha- the care happens. They're not going to not do it. <laughs> yeah, they, and they should be doing it themselves too because yeah. that would be hypocritical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but um, they're actually to equip the saints so that the saints can effectively care for one another as well. Yeah. And... So then you have 
it's much more effective that way. Yeah. Because you mobilizing instead of just one man or one woman um, being pastoring and showing care and, and so on, you've equipped potentially hundreds or maybe even thousands of people and enabled them, mobilized them to do that work. You, you've, I mean, the results of that are far, far more effective. Mm-hmm. And, and ministry is a privilege, right? Yeah. It, it's not something that we should shy away from. It's something we sh- God would want us to step into and see, wow, what a privilege for me to be to be a minister in the name of Christ to people in my neighborhood, to my family, to my friends, to my co-workers, whatever. Yeah, so let's talk about that. What does mm-hmm. it look like to to be equipped for the work of the ministry? Maybe let's talk about what is ministry. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz that's a that's a word that we use and so, you know, I I I love I love the term like minister. Like uh-huh. I'm going to minister to you. Yes. So what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that because I'm kind of genuinely asking that question. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, in in the translation I have in front of me, which I'm not sure which one it is, New International Version, mm-hmm. says to equip his people for the works of service. Mm. And really that's what it's about. It's about serving. Mm. Ministers are servants. Yes. Um, and we're all called to be servants. Yeah. Not just, quote, unquote, ministers. Yes. <laughs> Um, so we're called to serve one another. We're called to serve well the uh, church, the, right? Yeah, people around us, and so we're equipped to serve. Right is what it means to be equipped to be a minister is to be equipped to serve. Right, and so there are many layers to what that can look like. Yeah, but ultimately that's what we're called to do is to serve people. And and here's the thing: not just within the context of the church yes or the church building yes right you know, often we can swing the pendulum to that extreme and we end up focused all on you know the yeah, ministry I'm, that takes place in the building yeah i mean we've we got a great building <laughs> yes yes and it's not the ministry and serving people shouldn't happen yeah in the church building yeah but if it stays there, yes, then it's com- it, that's not the vision that Jesus has yeah. for the church. Yeah. His vision is that we would take the ministry into our communities, right? And you know, depending on where a, the church building is, like here, here in Koinonia, we're out in a cornfield. We often sure. say, yeah, uh, it's the the city is coming towards us, but slowly, we're still we're still in a little village, basically. Yeah. Yep. And so it's not realistic to think that our community at this point is going to pour into our church building. Yeah. You know, maybe one day we'll see more of that, mm-hmm. and that would be really cool. But right now, if we just wait for the community to come to us to serve them, mm-hmm. um, we're not going to see a whole lot of serving going on in the building. Yeah. Um, we serve one another as the body of Christ, you know, sure. other members, yep. and that often can happen inside the building, and that's great. But again, we got to get outside of the building. Yeah, and I think that's where the equipping comes in because mm-hmm. I, I feel like, you know, I've been in church for my whole life, but even still, it feels, uh, I feel like I could use extra equipping when when it comes to how do I actually serve others outside of mm-hmm. the community mm-hmm. but actually i'm noticing now even as we're talking about it 
when I say, how do I serve others outside the community? I know the answer to that. Like, what's the answer? Well, (laughs) well, I, I know what it looks like to, to, um, care for my neighbor. Yeah. Like for example, one of our, one of our, the people on our street, um, one of our neighbors, he has cancer and he's pretty sick and he was taken from his house in an ambulance the other day. Mm. And so Caitlin, um, went over and made some muffins, chatted with his wife and, you know, was able to just connect and support and encourage. Um, and that is a, just a simple example of serving. Yes. Um, and I think the tension for me comes in is how do I serve and not, you know, hit people over the head with what I believe, right? but how do I serve in a way where what I believe is, is at the forefront but it's not weird. Yes. <laughs> you know what yes. I mean? Because I think that's yeah. a tension that a lot of us mm-hmm. s- struggle with because I don't, it's uncomfortable to just, you know, go to my neighbor whose husband was just taken away in an ambulance and be like, hey, you know, can I tell you about Jesus? It just uh-huh. doesn't quite feel uh-huh. like the right moment. Sure. Um, so I don't know. That's something that I navigate and I'm mm-hmm. sure many others do as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think this comes down to something you and I have talked about. Um, there's kind of these two... Uh, extremes in evangelism sure (laughs) sharing our faith yes with people one is that we try and shoehorn the conversation about jesus and the gospel into every interaction we have right um people don't really like that no it's inauthentic (laughs) right right and it's it's weird (laughs) it it actually feels weird for us if we try and do it let alone the person (laughs) Who's on the mm-hmm. receiving end? Yes, right. And then you have the other extreme of, well, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to live the gospel in front of people. Yeah, you know, I'm I, just going to bake the cookies. I'm yes. going to bring the muffins. I'm going to, you know, mow the lawn for the neighbor. Sure. And see, both things are important. Yeah, it's important to do practical acts of service for mm-hmm. people, and it's important to verbally share the gospel with people. Yeah, but we. We need to find the middle ground where we are led by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in which aspect of that to focus on in any one given moment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How do we, how do we navigate that tension? Like, cause, yeah. cause it is, there, there is some moments when you just, you know, make the cookies or whatever yes. and support. Yes. But then there's other moments where you really have a great opportunity to share something like Mm. how do you i don't know how do you balance that yeah i i think that um first of all we have to be ministering to people out of a place of love Hmm. like genuine sincere authentic real love yeah because that's what jesus did yes right he he was not manipulating situations and people um to get his agenda across like he actually loved people right yeah and so out of that love flowed what he did and said Mm. and i think that that's what we're called to do as well as um god's people is to actually and really love right our neighbor Mm -hmm. right love god love our neighbor yeah those are the two great commandments (laughs) yeah as jesus said so if we are actually loving our neighbor, then we aren't taking the muffins over to the neighbor in order to uh. create a moment where we can share 
Jesus. Right. And then if they reject him, we walk away and we're like, well, I'm never baking muffins for them again. Because <laughs> yeah. you know I mean? right. we actually care about the person. Yes. And so whether they reject Jesus or whether there seems to be some interest or whether they fall on their knees and accept him in that moment, <laughs> right. it doesn't change the fact that we still will serve and love them. Yeah, because just because somebody doesn't, you know, accept accept Jesus, or even if they don't really want to hear what you have to say about him, mm -hmm. that doesn't make them any less worthy to be loved. No. And this is the thing. Jesus loved everybody. Yeah. Um, he loved the people who rejected him. Right. Yeah. He loved the Pharisees who were responsible for having him arrested and crucified. You right. Know? Um, he loved everyone. And that love motivated what he did and said. And that love caused him to rebuke people as well right so yeah. it's it's everything he did was motivated by love mm -hmm. and we need that same genuine love inside of us as well yeah because then we will be willing to have the tough conversations when we need to right we'll be willing to step into awkward moments mm -hmm. we'll be willing to to inconvenience ourselves right mm -hmm. and yeah we will mow the grass and yeah we will bake cookies and mm -hmm. we will um, pray with people yeah. and we will give a reason for the hope we have in Christ. Yeah. Um, we will do all of those things, but it won't be because the person in front of us is like our project mm. to try and get saved. Yeah. And if they don't, then we move on to the next project. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that's not the way Jesus operated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm just trying to think about some other practical things that help balance that tension of, mm. you know, the being only relational and not saying anything about the gospel and being mm. only, you know, uh, preaching focused yes, yes. <laughs> or however you would describe that. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, I was, a friend of mine was sharing with me, uh, they just moved to a new neighborhood. And so they're getting to know the mm. vibe of their mm. street. Sure. And so he was telling me, he's like, you know, I, I've, I learned over the last couple of weeks that when I take the garbage out, like I need to be ready. Mm. I, like I can't just budget 30 seconds for that. Right. Like right. I need to be okay with being outside for 20 minutes when I take the garbage out yes. because the culture on their street is everybody knows each other. Everybody chats, you right. know, everybody's a part of this community. And I see, it was just so cool to see that he was able to pick up on this. Like one of the ways that I can love people is by allowing myself more time to take the garbage out so I can just be with them. Mm. Um, and, and I just thought that was neat because yeah. I find myself, you know, sometimes I'll wait until my neighbor's done. because <laughs> You don't want to have the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, yeah. you know, we're trying to get kind, bad, yes, we're doing whatever. Yes. And, yeah. uh, and I'm like, oh, I don't have time for it. But yeah, I appreciate your openness. <laughs> yeah. Just being serious. Yeah, it's true. Um, but recognizing the need, the opportunity mm -hmm. that's there to actually be loving, to sacrifice, you know, yeah. my whatever, 30 second garbage run. Yeah. It just makes some extra time to go out there and chat. And yeah. then in that conversation, I mean, I know my friend well to know he's listening to the Holy Spirit right. to know if he should invite his neighbors over for some food or, you know, if he should step into the conversation about faith or whatever. Yes, and so yes. it's, it's like, finding a way to practically partner mm. the the actual practical thing of yeah. whatever that looks like in loving your neighbor and then making sure that we have this relationship with God where he can direct us and yes. lead us yes. to not 
not to take advantage of those moments, but to, um, to use them as opportunities to love, mm-hmm. um, and to 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 go deeper when the Holy Spirit directs, and to just be a fun, joyful, loving person mm-hmm. um, when that makes sense too. So absolutely, that's something else that I was just thinking about. How do we balance this tension? Yeah, one of the things that I'm I think about when I'm you know, connecting with people in various contexts is I, I ask the question, you know, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in this person's life? Oh, wow. What are you yeah. up to, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, I may think that I know what that person needs. Mm-hmm. I may, and, and it, I may be, it may be true that they need that thing that I think they need. Sure. But I ha- we have to realize that we are not the only person in that, that person's world that God is working through right. to draw them to himself. <laughs> That's an right. important reminder. Right. So so he's been at work in their lives, in in their family, in their, you know, yeah, their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, since the moment they were born. Right. He's been active and he is active. So then the question becomes, Holy Spirit, what are you doing right now in this person's life? Mm. And then the second part is show me how i can cooperate yeah how can with, i partner with what how can you're i doing? partner with yeah. what you're doing because that's where the fruit is yeah you know if we try and push something that the holy spirit isn't doing we can actually get in the way yeah even though it For may sure. be the thing they need right you know so this is why we have to be sensitive and jesus was super sensitive of course to this yeah. like the woman at the well Right. You know, is a classic example of how he he was actively engaging people with where they were at, mm-hmm. with the concerns of their lives in the moment. And yeah, he did direct conversations, but he did it um, di- being led by the Spirit mm-hmm. at all times. Yeah. And you see the beautiful way that real life and spiritual conversations merged together yeah. seamlessly yes. in Jesus' ministry. And I, and I think that's what, that's what I want to be able to do. Oh, me too. And yeah. what a great way to describe it of like real life and spiritual conversation, spiritual truths becoming intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think is the way, one of the ways that we can do that, the ministry that we were talking about at the yeah. beginning that we can that we can serve yes. um, in a way that we don't abandon faith language and talk just for baking mm-hmm. cookies but mm-hmm. we also don't abandon the loving practical side yes and only focus on the words that we use yes um, that's right yeah yeah I think that's really good yeah and and um, you know in verse 13 um, it talks about this ministry happening um, through these gifts until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, <laughs> That's a mouthful. It is. So, so you see that the trajectory, the purpose that Jesus has mm-hmm. in giving these gifts, right? Right. Is that he intends his church to grow both in numbers, mm-hmm. right? People being added to the family of God. Yeah. But also that 
those within the church would grow in their knowledge of him. They would reach a place of unity in the faith. Um, we would mature, right? Like that you can see yeah. this is what motivated Jesus to place these gifts within the church, right? Yeah. within his body. And so that that's what he's after. That's what he wants for us as his people. That's good. I love it. This is a shorter conversation, but I think we should wrap it up there because there's been so much great practical stuff here. Sounds good. Cool. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Nathan. You're welcome. stands out to me most from today's conversation is that that phrase the the idea of intertwining our spiritual conversations with everyday life and we can do that as followers of Jesus in a way that is relevant in a way that brings hope in a way that brings peace and clarity to the things that we face every day that are difficult and confusing and don't make sense we can find that that peace and that hope that we have in Christ and intertwine that with the conversations we have every day when we're taking the garbage out, when we're, you know, out and about in our neighborhood with people, with people just like you and me. I learned a lot from our conversation today, and I'm hopeful that you did as well. I want to let you know that we're going to be continuing our conversations on the book of Ephesians until we wrap up our series on Sunday mornings with our church community. So that'll probably be around August Uh, beginning of August. And then we will see what's next for the Community Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We would love if you would give us a review and rating on iTunes. That just helps it get in front of more people so that we can continue to share and learn together. You've been listening to the Community Podcast. Have an incredible day.